Welcome, dear listeners, to yet another episode of Monster, Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Cameron, and I'm joined tonight by our illustrious founder, our great monarch, Dave. Uh, Leonard sadly cannot join us today, uh, but Dave and I will guide you to adventure and horror, all kinds of things like that. Dave, how are you? I'm I'm here. I'm doing well, I guess, all things considered. Uh, yes, Leonard um, uh, had had things to take care of, so he'll he'll be doing yeah. that, and then we'll return next week, um, probably. Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how things go. Uh, it should it should be fine, just but be you. <laughs> it would just be me, and that's mm. a that's a sad day indeed. No, no, shall not go back to those dark days. Those I mean, they were good, dark but, times. yeah. <laughs> all right uh so this episode we are covering the film uh was did netflix did netflix produce it or are they just hosting it they are just remember. hosting it i don't think they produce this one. okay yeah so we are watching then the film Erementari, uh the blacksmith and the devil which is a basque film basque being a region in spain i believe you said yes. i wasn't actually sure where it was till you mentioned it yes yes yeah um which is pretty cool, uh, and is in holding with our uh, new segment of, well, sort of in holding, vaguely in holding. It's the same continent, which is a start of um, Slavic folklore creature of the week. Which again, one day we'll figure that out. Unless you guys did it without me, and I just not. Really. I, no, uh, it just <laughs> became this. <laughs> yeah, uh, it happens. Ba-da-da-da-da. There we go. Um, so yes, this is our, this is our segment where we each pick a, well, not exactly a random because we're picking ourselves, pick a, pick a creature off a list of Slavic folkloric creatures and have each other read, describe them, educate ourselves. Um, which case, Dave, would you like to start off? What am I going to read? I will pick for you the Topelik. Alrighty. Topielik, Fodnik, or Utopiek is a name applied to Slavic spirits of water. The Topielce are spirits of human souls that died drowning, residing in the element of their own demise. They are responsible for sucking people into swamps and lakes, as well as killing animals standing near still waters. Um, that, that's, that's actually the article. <laughs> Yes, that um, is a, a shorter yeah. one. I think, have we looked at Rusalka mm. before? I feel like we have. Rusalka, you... They're just uh, water ladies. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They're, they're women of the water. So this is your sort of drowner style yes. beastie creature thing. Um, the Vodnik, I think, is that more like froggy, fishman-y style, but they all sort of fall under this general category. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good, it's a good traditional creature, but um, yeah, not much a, specific information. Yep, that was a short one. We never know until we yeah. click on it. That's the, the yeah. magical mystery of this. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly fair. Um, so we'll move on very swiftly to my choice for you to read. And I was looking through, and I don't believe this one's been chosen before, so I'm going to go with the Kalikantsaros. All right, you gave me a tricky one. Let's. Uh... 
Let's do this here. Oh, that's a lot of because different this one's, pronunciation this one's Greek. Um, <laughs> uh is a malevolent goblin in southeastern European and Anatolian folklore. Stories about the Kalikantsnaros uh, or its equivalents can be found in Greece, Bulgaria, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, and Cyprus. Kalikantsnaroi are believed to dwell underground, but come to the surface during the 12 days of Christmas, from the 25th <laughs> of December to the 6th of January. I.e. Oh. from the winter solstice for a fortnight during the time which the yeah. sun ceases its seasonal movements. Etymology. Yeah. Among other you know, proposed... Just, Go ahead. I just, I just realized now, I always thought the 12 days of Christmas were the 12 days leading up to Christmas. <laughs> I did too, but I guess that uh, this makes more sense. I guess not. Yeah, that makes more sense. Like the, the Christmas season. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, sorry. Yes, continue. That's okay. Etymology. <laughs> Amongst other proposed etymologies, the term kalikantsnaros uh, is speculated to be derived from the Greek kalos kentaros, so beautiful centaur. Although this theory has met with considerable opposition, Turkish kara kunjoros, werewolf or vampire, from kara, which is black, and konkoros, uh, bloodsucker or werewolf. I get to butcher all kinds of uh, languages yeah. here. Um, <laughs> it is believed that Kalikansnaroi stay underground, sawing the world trees that will collapse along with the earth. Uh, however, according to folklore, when they are about to saw the final part, Christmas dawns, and they are able to come to the surface. They forget about the tree and come to bring trouble to mortals. That's great. <laughs> um, and there's a wonderful little uh, wood yes. cutting of them just that is joyously beautiful. really they're sawing so hard <laughs> on this tree that it's like smoking yeah one of them has an umbrella and and one of them has like a blanket on his head yeah oh, they're, they're, I think they're wearing little capes or something on their heads it's great it's yeah great. yeah <laughs> the actually the, the there's a pencil illustration from from this year mm. depicting depicting a hairy Kalikansteros with goat legs, donkey ears, burning red eyes, and a long tail. Uh, he wow. is a furry boy. He's it's, is this one of Leonard's bears? I <laughs> I don't know. I think it may I think be that's Nick Offerman. It's Seda legs. It I think it is, and he has a big axe. <laughs> or maybe this is, that. this is a hatchet. It's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's yeah. a good it's a good picture. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> appearance. There is no standard description of the appearance of the Kalikansteroi. There are regional variations as to how their appearance is described. Some Greeks. I love the wiki uh, yes. editors. There's like the who? Yes. <laughs> Which Greeks? Greeks. Yes. <laughs> Citations needed. Um, have imagined mm. them with animal parts such as hairy bodies, horse legs, and boar tusks. Sometimes they are enormous and other times diminutive. Others, who, see them as humans of small size that smell horrible. They are <laughs> pre predominantly male, often with protruding sexual characteristics. Um, in, except in the case of all these pictures we have, where there are mm. no sexual characteristics. Aside Thanks, from Wikipedia. Hairy, hairy, beardy mm. bodies. Um, yes. Many Greeks have imagined them as tall, black, and hairy, with burning red eyes. Goats are, again, it's the same thing as the um, tongues that hang yeah. out and heads that are huge. Uh, nonetheless, yeah. the most common belief is that they are small black creatures, humanoid apart from their long black tails, and said to resemble little devils. Uh, they are also mostly blind, I guess, because they live underground, speak with a lisp, mm. and love to eat frogs, worms, and other small creatures. 
Well, All right, yeah. because the other one was super tiny, this one is super long. Mm. Lore. Yeah. Kalikansaroi are believed to be the creatures of the night. According to folklore, there are many ways people could protect themselves during the days when they were loose. One such method was to leave a colander on their doorstep to trick the visiting Kalikansaros. Uh, it was believed that since it could not count above two to three, uh, no, it could not count above two, three was believed to be a holy number, and by pronouncing it, the Kalikansaros would supposedly kill itself. So, Okay. Being that there are more than two holes in a colander, this was just mm. instant death. Um, yeah. Except for that's not the case, because uh, they would sit at the doorstep all night, counting each hole of the colander, obviously not self-destructing, mm. um, until the sun rose, mm. and then it had to hide from the sun. Uh, another suppo- So what's great about this is all of this mm. is like highly relevant to the thing we will cover. Yeah. I know that's weird. <laughs> it's it just happens. It's like the time when you were super mm-hmm. sick, and everything we found was the thing that caused sickness. Yeah, that's fair. That was these, a good one. That <laughs> was good. Aside from music, uh, another wow. supposed method of protection uh, was to leave the fire burning in the fireplace all night, so that they would not enter through it. Again, relevant in some areas. Mm, yeah, <laughs> in some areas, people would burn the Yule log for the duration of the twelve days. In other areas, people would throw foul-smelling shoes into the fire, <laughs> as the stench was believed to repel them and force them to stay away. Additional ways to keep them away included marking one's door with the black cross on Christmas Eve and a burning incense. According to legend, any child born during the 12 days of Christmas was in danger of transforming into a Calicanceros <laughs> during each Christmas season. So it's like a werewolf affliction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Starting with adulthood. So so once you come of age, you become a, a yeah. hairy man. Mm, mm. You know, to be careful, once the department mall Santas start appearing, you've got to leave everything behind for two weeks as you do yes. your devilish mischief that's right <laughs> it was believed that the antidote to prevent this transformation was to bind the baby in tresses of garlic or straw or to sing to singe the child's toenails mm. or anyone born on a saturday could see and talk with the kalikansteroi okay <laughs> yeah that- uh and then something that set them apart from other goblins or creatures in folklore was that they were said to appear on Earth for only 12 days a year. Okay, we got that. Their, their short duration, as well as the fact that they were not purely malevolent, uh, but rather impish and stupid, uh, led to a number of theories about their creation. One such theory connects them to the masquerades of the ancient Roman winter festival of Bacchanalia, and later the Greek Dionysia. Um... During the drunken orgiastic parts of festivals, people wearing masks, hidden under costumes and bestial shapes, yet appearing humanoid, may have made an exceptional impression on the minds of simple folk who were intoxicated. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Greek, the term kalikasteros was also used to describe a number of other short, ugly, and usually mischievous beings in folklore. When not used for the above-mentioned creatures, it seems to express the collective sense for the Irish word leprechaun and the English words gnome and goblin. Fair enough. Yeah. The, the, um, we're gonna we'll call this one. There's mm. there's yeah. Serbian, Anatolian, <laughs> Bulgarian, Albanian. Uh, Popular culture. I will, however. <laughs> Uh, mm. in popular culture 
So Kalikas and Roy are subject are the subject of the Grimm, the TV series Grimm episode, The Grimm yeah. Who Stole Christmas. The narrator mm-hmm. of Roger Zelanzi's novel The Immortal is a Greek born on Christmas Day. The first sentence of his, is his new wife teasingly calling him Kalikasteros, uh, although she doesn't mean anything bad by it. Um, the word Kalikasteros has been applied to other representations of goblins or trolls when translated into Greek. For example, the Gringotts in Harry Potter are referred to as Kalikasteros in Greek translations. Uh, and then the Kalik, the Kalikansari of modern Greece is a mention made in The Whisper in Darkness of, from H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah. Well, We've learned multiple was, things today. Mm, super educational, surprisingly relevant. I'm really into that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll take that, it. That, that woodcut of all of them soaring away at the world tree is wonderful. I yes. love that so much. And, and this... <laughs> this Shaven but still hairy mm. Gofferman. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Thank you, whoever took the time to draw that this year. Yes. That's, that's bright uh, all oh, wow. of our all of our days. That is that is a super HD photo when you actually click on it. <laughs> I is it? I will click upon yeah. it. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at them peepers. Oh. Yeah, he's 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 been having a rough time, not sleeping too much. He's too busy hacking away at the world tree. <laughs> yeah, he's got a job to do, and he's gonna do it even if it takes him all night. Yep. Alrighty. Well, uh, that has been the Slavic folklore creatures of the week. Uh, our Kalikansaroy and our Topiech. Topiec. Um. Yeah. Let's move right on to uh, the Eramentari, um, which I'll be honest. I took a sort of, I've seen this film before when I was browsing Netflix and part of me went, is this a film that's making some kind of dig at people's accents and it's just elementary? No, no, this is the Basque word for blacksmith. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is. Well, it's, it's, it's the Basque word for blacksmith, the, 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 the smithy. Like mm, the, the, okay. Not the person, yeah, but yeah. the thing. Like okay. if you go yeah. to the blacksmith as a building, mm. because the edimentaria oh, ed- right. ed- yeah, ed- yeah. is the person. Ah, okay, that makes sense. And I've only noticed this because I was listening very intently, because mm. they kept mm. they kept referring to edimentaria and then go to the place, and then they would say edimentaria, ah, and yeah. they were talking about the actual blacksmith. Yeah. Okay. So, God, I, I mean, I guess a better English translation would be the blacksmithy. Then, but uh, yeah, but of, it, yeah. it doesn't roll off the tongue. No, no, absolutely not. Um, so yeah, uh, this is a 2017 internationally co-produced Basque language period dark fantasy horror film. Uh, there's a lot of words in one, but yeah, it, it it's a horror film in the language of Basque or the Basque language. Um, directed by Paul Okusho Aljo and written by. Paul Okajo Aljo and Asia, oh god, um, Asia Gerikaishabaria is what I'm going to go with that one. Um, yeah, uh, this is this is hmm. How, how to how to put this into summation? Um, a blacksmith is holding a demon captive. The demon is released at one point, thus causing problems. Let's let's yeah, that's keep that's, that a, that's succinct. Story. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, excellent. Well, uh let's see. Basically this um 
this is set in the 1800s, uh, the 1840s, I believe. Yes, it's, uh, af- it's after the. Um, mm, no, I've forgotten the name of the the, the, the this particular the the first Carlist War. Yes, looking at the Wikipedia, just <laughs> cheating my way through. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's set just after the first Carlist War, uh, which was a war against the Spanish government. If my brain serves vaguely correctly, um, yeah. Uh, and the, the little bit of backstory here is during the war, a few deserters were being executed. One of them managed to survive mysteriously, suspiciously, um, and that was the blacksmith, obviously. Uh, but we sort of uh, jump forward and we we are in this small village. You know, there's it's a small conservative rural village, I guess is the best way to say it. It is in Basque country, Basque. I don't, I don't know how to refer to the area properly, so we'll just say... And we in, can probably the say the Basque country. Yeah. I that's what in, it is. In, Because it's, it's, it's yeah, a, in the like Basque a, country. I think it's a province. Yeah, yeah. It's always interesting to see how other countries split things up like that. So we'll go with Basque country for now. Um, yeah, so it's this, it's this rural, rural village in Basque country. Uh, they're not super well connected to the world. It's in sort of this heavily wooded area. Uh, and essentially, uh, a dandy comes to town and by dandy, I mean a government official dressed up all super nice, uh, doing some form of official investigation, uh, and is asking after a, pardon me, uh, asking after a local blacksmith, uh, and the reply he often gets is there hasn't been a, a forge working here for many years. There's this ruined forge out there in the middle of nowhere. It's dangerous. Don't go there, etc. Um, and yet he persists. Uh, of course, uh, this investigator is highly mistrusted because the Carlist War was not well received in this region. Uh, in particular, everything they owned that was made of metal was melted down to make weapons, including things like the church bell, etc. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a, it's a rough time to be a government official in this area, let's say. He's not very well liked. No. Uh, no. And uh, when I mentioned earlier, this is a period piece. All the costumes are really, really good in this. And a lot of the set work is really, really nice, as far as I'm concerned, at least. The, um, the costuming, I think, for the soldiers, I liked their little mm, hats. Yes. Yeah, it's not quite a beret. So no, like it was a kind sloppy. of super floppy hat. Yeah, yeah. That is, is really... um. Really, really, what to say? Visually authentic is how I would say. Yeah, it, feels it, like, um, it pulls. I mean, yeah. not being super familiar with this exact time mm. period, um, I had to feel that these looked fairly authentic. Mm. Yeah, but there's no basis a, for that. I don't have a thing to go like, yes, I've no. seen this before, so they're authentic. This is like this. Just mm. looks like it's how it's supposed to be, but not. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel lavish. I no. think because everything's no. sort of gritty, so. There's mm. not a there's not a sense of like, um, trying to make things prettier than they were. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely sort of a very dark and dirty and cramped sort of town. Uh, actually, gives me sort of the the Resident Evil Four vibes. Now that I think about it, you know, similar sort of area, same sort of not overall color palette, but like overall, like I said, sort of gritty. I mean, can't say realism with Resident Evil 4, obviously, but, you know, 
<laughs> yeah. There, there's some other comparisons that I think will make a little bit further down 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 the line. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um and there are there are a few key characters we're following this of of course we know the blacksmith is going to important going to be important. Of course we know that uh Alfredo Ortiz, the government investigator, is gonna be important. Uh there is the local innkeeper and his wife, and then their son Benito uh plays a role that is of some some import in this film as well. Um but a uh a key character, I would say, a really key character is Usue, uh, who is a young orphan girl with a burned face. Uh, she is sort of shunned by most of the rest of the town. She's being looked after by the local priest and his wife, I think it is. Yeah, she's, um, she's shunned by the children. Mm. Like, more yeah, so than the adults. The adults kind of just put mm. up with her. Yeah, but they also don't do anything to prevent the children. No, no, they they do not her. because she's being like mm. oh, to them overtly mischievous and mm. doing stuff that they told her not to do. So yeah, that their view is that she's not being like reprimanded enough, particularly yeah. because she she is the ward of the um the the pastor. She's yeah, pastor? So she's got to act better. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, she is shunned for the most part. The, the the excuse the other children are using, I should say, is that her mother hanged herself. And so her mother's gone to hell because suicide is a mortal sin uh, in a lot of, uh, well, in all in almost all religions currently. But this is obviously Christian uh, orthodoxy, probably. Uh, yeah, I would say it's orthodox. Yeah. I don't, I don't know yeah. whatever their, their particular... Yes. Denomination is, but yeah, it's it's like yeah. uh far more um mm. Yeah. It's more yeah. stringent. It, yeah, it's it's a very conservative like I said, it's a conservative rural area. Um we literally get introduced with the pastor, with the pastor giving a speech about liberal ideas poisoning the town and how you have to resist this local government's urges to, you know, not follow traditions and things like that. It's, it's a very uh, conservative, both culturally, religiously, socially, uh, area, and so Paul Usui is relentlessly bullied, uh, including by Benito and Benito's friend, um, who are a terrible little duo. Gotta say, <laughs> um, but you know she's she, she's a little odd. Um, not to say she'd bring it on herself, but you know she, for example when she's being bullied by Benito, she has skipped mass and in doing so has also stolen the sacramental wine. Um, so I can see why they're a little annoyed with her as a whole for not being the, uh, the model child they want her to be. Um, but yeah, she's a little, she's a little off compared to what people would consider to be normal. I suppose, um, a snake comes by when she's having a picnic with her doll and she just kind of picks the snake up, says hello, sets the snake down. I know, she's, she says, oh, you, you got your invitation. You came to the party. Yeah, yeah. It was just it's really it's like a little, I think it's like a garter snake or something. It looks yeah, non, yeah. non-venomous. Yeah, yeah, no. But um, because this one, I didn't really know a whole ton of what the movie was about. I was like, is this like a, a subtle demon devil biblical thing they're going for you know she can speak snakes she, she literally put an apple next to the snake yes <laughs> yeah yeah 
It's pretty blatant imagery, but it's fun. Um, yeah, so she gets bullied at this point by Benito, who, you know, kills the snake, chases after her, steals her doll, then tears her doll's head off, throws the head over the fence, because there's a fence here. It is a wonderful, wonderful fence, because it's this big, this big sort of gate-style fence, chain shut with iron spikes protruding outwards from it, and then a series of iron crosses sort of fused into the top with a big sign that says go away yes and you're like underselling (laughs) it's it's been like pin pin cushioned with uh iron oh yeah they're yeah they're all over (laughs) it's not like on top they're they're forced through Mm. the face of the door oh yeah yeah it it is it is dangerous for these children to stand within six feet that's and the entire time i was like i hope those are like rubber or something because someone could just slip and it'd be bad for just the Mm. the peep actors (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. This is this is a film where I really hope a lot of stuff was uh, very well painted rubber because this uh, this theme of iron spikes through everything sort of just persists for most of the film. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so this this is the gate that leads to the titular blacksmith's forge, uh, and yeah, it's got a big sign that says "Go away" on it, uh, covered in crosses, covered in spikes, clearly not been opened for years upon years. And so, of course, bullies being bullies, they tear the doll in half, throw the doll's head over it, give her back just the the, the sad body of the doll, and uh, run off because they're awful, awful children. Well, uh, she she <laughs> um, she gave him a good wallop. I mean, broke yeah, his nose. Well, didn't break yeah. his nose, but she punched him right in the nose. He mm. decided a bleeding nose and an angry child that's not really any smaller than him was mm. a, you know he just that's had enough of it yeah yeah exactly she she's not afraid to fight for herself which is nice she's um i guess she'd have to be fairly headstrong to um survive that kind of social well not exactly social isolation social shunning at yeah. that age um yeah um da, 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 da. yeah and we're, we're doing a lot of cutting back and forth here but the general story is usui is going to look for her doll's head uh, while Alfredo Ortiz, the investigator, is going to attempt to investigate the blacksmith's forge, everything is sort of convening around this point. Uh, Benito has stolen again, continuing to be an awful child, has stolen a letter in the uh, in the investigator's luggage, which uh, says he is here investigating a crate of missing gold from the Carlist War, and that the blacksmith is the prime suspect. So this gets everyone in the town sort of interested. Um, Ortiz appears to at least hire a couple of them, uh, a couple of men to sort of go investigate the place for him. Uh, And everything's going all over the place um, at this point. So let's see. Yeah. So um, there we go. Essentially uh, at this point, Ortiz and these two men head to the blacksmith's forge. Uh, They break through the chain on the gate uh, and Ortiz says he's no good at field work and sends the two men in to essentially draw the it's, blacksmith I, I out think and it's, arrest it's, him. It's three. It's the three. Um, three? Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Beg pardon. Yes. Yes. Um, and we get we get we get the good kind of the good kind of saw horror I like, which is the anticipatory bit rather than the torture porn, where it's like you see you see something that's gonna be bad. 
later in the they're, scene, and you're like, ooh. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> Chekhov's gunning a lot of little things mm. that um, yeah. the camera purposefully about. like points out, and mm. then going, okay, how's that? Yeah. Oh, yep, they, yep, that's a thing. Yep, yep, yep. So, uh, for example, the the area around this derelict house slash forge combination is just littered with old bear traps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, again, very Resident Evil 4 is, is just drawing the comparisons that come to mind. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, more more bear trap than ground, it seems, at certain times. Um, yeah, and so they sort of get prepared. One of them has... Oh, one of them has a blunderbuss, one of them has a rifle, and I forget what the other man has. It's not... I think he just had, like, a stick. <laughs> had... Yeah. I remember it yeah. being a weapon. I think it was something he could prod mm. things with. Yeah. Yeah, I do definitely remember there being a man with a stick, actually. Um, yeah, and they they attempt to um, get Pachi, who is the blacksmith, to come out peacefully, uh, and he doesn't appear to answer. They're knock-knocking on his iron-spiked door. Um <laughs> And uh, as soon as they sort of let their guard down, go, well, maybe he's not here. He kicks the door open with a man in the iron mask on a big slab shield and a hammer and just starts beating the ever-loving crap out of these three guys. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, and they're sort of driven driven back by him. And one of them gets his leg caught in a bear trap. Oh, uh, I'm caught in a bear trap, uh, and thinks Patchy is about to kill him. Uh, but instead of beating him around the face with a hammer, Patchy opens up the bear trap, lets his foot loose. The guy f- still freaks out, turns around, slips on his own mangled foot, and falls headfirst into a bear trap and is he, very dead. He yeah, didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, he, he really didn't make it. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're getting a little bit of characterization. You know, Pachi is, he wants to be left alone. He doesn't necessarily want to kill people, but no, he's just trying to drive you know, away. Yeah. But you know, bad, bad luck things happen. Um, bear traps. and so bear traps happen. Uh, so yeah, the, the two men run away. Uh, they sort of hurry off with Ortiz up and you know, where's the gold and you find the gold, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, meanwhile, Usue is sneaking in, uh, shortly after this, to find her doll's head. And we get the same creeping horror of, oh god, I hope this eight-year-old girl doesn't step in a bear trap. <laughs> because that would be brutal. Um, and not quite not quite in keeping with the tone of this movie, I feel, it, but she doesn't. Uh, yeah, it would be yeah. maybe a step too far. Mm, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Uh, I don't know. That's Kind of. Yeah. Be- because this mm. play it plays a little bit with comedy... Um, not mm. extensively, but it's there because the overall tone of the movie is fairly dark. Yeah. Um, what yeah. we're all, what we're also getting, and we kind of just hop, skipped, and jumped right over um, <laughs> the black, the character of um, uh, Pachi and the blacksmith mm. himself. He is uh, like a legendary figure. So yeah. the narration, considering his backstory and how he's presented to the people, and even things that um, will show to the viewer, but it's all unreliable. Mm. Um, yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's given like a mythic status, but doesn't mm. necessarily uh, live up to it um, in a physical way. 
when we see him interacting with other people. Yeah. It's just like yeah, on his absolutely. own. Um, an example yeah. of this would be uh, when, when we, we've come to find that he was uh, in the opening part of the movie in the prologue. Mm. He is one of the, the three um, fugitives that, that flee from the, the, the soldiers and is caught and set to execution. Um, mm. It's during a firing squad. Uh, the order is given to fire, you know, and when the smoke clears, there's two men dead, and then he's just still standing there. Yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> Which, like, mm. brutally, um, Liam Neeson's the, the rest of the, yeah. the guys. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that's it's John Wick. It's really it. good. <laughs> it's a good yeah. bit of action yeah. in an otherwise. It's, it's, it's very, mm. um, it's giving him a legendary, like, superhuman status. He's, um, maybe maybe yeah. he's impervious to bullets. Um, he's definitely stronger than a regular person, even though he's, he's mm. fairly large anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's an interesting kind of juxtaposition to what we find sort of mm. happens a little bit later. Yeah, uh, well, we also the, the get very opening. Yeah, mm, yeah, the very opening is like telling it as a story. We start with like almost little woodcuts. About, you know, this blacksmith so terrible and cruel that even the devil himself fears him, etc. And then it merges into that firing squad scene where he's obviously a larger-than-life character. Or at least it yeah. seems so. Yeah, I mean, you don't even get to mm. see his face. It's just, like, mm. beard and fury. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, good, then, and then we get... bad title. <laughs> <laughs> we do get a um, another scene. It's before all the men show up um, at his, his residence mm. where he's... He's working on um, a, a spike or some tool in the forge, mm. and he's hitting it with yes. his hammer. And his hammer snaps, mm. and he's just bellowing in rage, and then just starts hammering the metal with his fist. Mm. And it's like, yeah, it's forming the the, the metal. Mm. Yeah, no, it, it's crazy. It's yeah, really good. It. Like it's, it's so good. I'm here oh, for man. that. It's if you want larger yeah. than life, show a man. Or anyone uh, hammering an iron hot spike with their yeah, hand. Yeah, that's great. And it, and it worked. And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and also, like, that's our, I think that's our first shot of Inside the Forge as well. And yes. The, whoever did the set work for the Forge brackets interior is wow. That was so good because <laughs> it is like this twisted maze of crosses and spikes and broken down masonry and just glowing embers and it feels like this hellish labyrinth while still obviously still being like a workable living space yeah and it just looks so good <laughs> again visually this movie is actually a real treat uh for the most part i really really enjoyed just the the not necessarily the cinematography of every shot but just the detail and atmosphere and tone in every visual part of the shot it was really good <laughs> yeah um but yeah uh anyway so Usway's sort of sneaking around she nearly gets discovered by him because he's dragging off the man who got murdered by a bear trap to bury him somewhere um and sneaks her way into the forge uh to sort of incidentally while trying to avoid uh patchy she accidentally ends up finding a way into the forge so in she goes uh, and she finds he has a boy locked in an iron cage uh, who he appears to have been all of that <laughs> is um, 
it's sort of foreshadowed because the townsfolk or the children in particular mm. are they have their own rumors of what's you know, they, they can't yes. get into this place it's a haunted spooky mm. spiked um thing and they only hear yeah. whispers of the blacksmith because the, the war was before their time they were like infants mm. during mm. the war um if yeah. they born at all and um yes. or they would have been born at that time but uh yeah they the rumors are, are of course the same sort of like if it was a witch or something uh he kidnaps yeah. children and he tortures them or maybe, maybe he eats mm. them you know it's that he eats their yeah. hearts i think it was he eats children's hearts um, yeah so yeah. that is in her mind that that's mm. what that's what she's expecting and so she yeah. see and she and then now she finds a boy in a cage mm. yeah like obviously the the rumors are all true he's a terrible monster I've got to get out of here, but also I don't want to leave this kid here who has seen me. Um, so she sort of agrees to his request to get him out. Uh, Blacksmith always has the keys on his belt. Uh, fortunately, he's just very tired from having dragged a man out into the into the woods and buried him in a unmarked grave, presumably, and, um, and so, consuming a large amount of alcohol. That that was yeah, the, yeah. the other part of it. Yeah, he gets, <laughs> he's, he, he's he gets passed home, out, drinks a lot passes out um so she again 10 sequence she sneaks the keys off his belts there's a couple of jump scares where he you know he snorts and yells yeah. in his sleep because he's it's, got terrible ptsd it's very like jack <laughs> and the beanstalk it's very good oh yeah yeah it's great like they really emphasize the size difference because he's a big guy like you mentioned this is you know an eight-year-old girl <laughs> if that yeah um but she gets the keys and lets the boy go and he sort of scampers out of his cage, which, uh, again, big props to the just the physical acting for this guy because the the way this boy always moves is spoiler. It's a little off in terms of like he sort of hops almost. He kind of golems around. Yeah, yeah. It, it feels like um I don't know if you, you know when the cats get really spooked and they go up like yeah. with their front legs hanging and they have got their back legs they just kind of hop around a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, that, but obviously a little more human, but he grabs a pitchfork that's in this big stack of tools and makes to stab the blacksmith. And in doing so transforms into this horrific demon. And the little girl is of course shocked and terrified and, um, blacksmith barely, barely, uh, deflects a <laughs> blow to the back of the head from this terrible three pronged pitchfork. Yeah. He like uh, wakes we, up yeah. with one eye, like where you like mm. one eye pops open and looks down. Yeah. And then grabs his, his <laughs> hammer that's by his hand mm, yeah to, to yeah the, it's, it's a good uh scene mm, mm, definitely and like this demon design is i think overall nice it looks like a person in a costume to a degree but like all the detail is again really really great there's a lot of character in the face it looks it looks like one of those woodcut demons brought to life i think is the best way to say yeah. it like it's yeah it is it is a really traditional they didn't they didn't go overboard trying to make it look more realistic or horrifying or anything they went no this is what demons look like in the 1840s we're making an 1840s demon and there you go and you know he looks real he's got good texture in his skin he's got little like little plates leading up to his horns and all that kind of thing um yeah it's cool design i do like the pitchfork it has like the curved prongs instead it's of almost like a, it's almost like a trident mm, yeah yeah uh yeah and um despite the blacksmith fighting him off uh this demon grabs uh usui 
and uh, promises to return for the blacksmith's soul, but for now he's going to take the little girl as a snack on the way back to hell to get reinforcements, essentially. Uh, runs outside and steps in a bear trap. <laughs> which is, which, again, so, one of those moments of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's funny, but we know that the bear traps aren't for people, they're for this guy. Mm. It's to yeah, keep him from escaping. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, the demon demon falls over, foot's caught in a bear trap. I think he yells, not again. I feel like this probably happened a couple of times, something along yeah. those lines. Uh, yeah. Um, but uh, Usui, Usui gets dropped, obviously, and hits her head really hard on the ground, and part of me she, thought she, she hits had, a rock. She died. Yeah. She hits a rock part of me with thought her face. she was dead. Yeah. I, I saw, thought that, I I thought that happened. I saw the rock too. there. Yeah. I thought they were going to, um, oh God, uh, hereditary us. Yeah, like, you know, we're, we're, I checked the time. Like, there's still like 50 minutes left in this film. It's too early to kill who seems to be the main protagonist of the film. Yeah, <laughs> this little girl. So yeah, what a, what a lot of this movie's doing, and mm. it's it's particularly the this the, this isn't the Spanish Civil War, but this is a Spanish mm. War. Uh, this yes, uh, it's not riffing on. The only thing it's riffing on is the actual like blacksmith mm. and the devil uh folk folktale it's a huge yeah it's, it's just been adapted all over the place in many different regions yeah. brothers Grimm did it it's just a big thing um mm. but this is very pan's labyrinth yes yeah Be- because definitely. of what it's doing and ha- and because it's also um it's it's trading in uh, a, a female child protagonist um, mm. Who is who is privy to like these other world things that other people generally won't see? Um, mm. It's it's you know it's a it's not a hero's quest, but it's no. framed in the way where it's hitting like sp- very specific archetypes. Yeah, yeah. So it was weird yeah, to see I mean, like going like, well, oh, she can't be dead because she's kind of the main character. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hadn't actually thought of that comparison. That's a really good one, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, you know, the Apache is obviously very angry about this demon threatening to run off with a small child, and so breaks off one of its horns with his hammer, which is uh, really well, again, impact seems to be a really well done thing in this, because, you know, there's the, the hammer comes down, and then the entire soundtrack sort of rings, and, you know, the demon's obviously horrifically concussed and in pain, and he takes his chance to chain it up, um, and... During all this, Benito, Benito, yes, has been yeah. sent to find Usue because you know uh, he's always running into her because he's always harassing her. But that means the adults go, "Well, you obviously know where she is." So he, he's like, "Well, I last saw her down by the smithy, so I'll run down by there, see what I can see." And he sees the blacksmith with Usue's motionless body slung over one shoulder, with his other hand holding a chain wrapped around a demon, dragging them both back into his forge. I'm like. Yeah, no, I understand his reaction. <laughs> That's a pretty rough thing to see. <laughs> yeah, and it's a very, it's a very incidental. Like the one moment to see mm. was that. <laughs> oh of yeah, course. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if he'd been there thirty seconds earlier, he would have seen a demon run out carrying Ushui fall over and then just get the absolute crap beaten out of it by the blacksmith. <laughs> but no, he saw he saw the most incriminating version of the blacksmith has murdered Ushui and he had the devil with him. <laughs> yes. Okay, come on. It's obviously the devil. It's red. It's got horns. It's screaming about how God's alive. All kinds of invariable things. It hates everything. Um, and yeah, 
Duh, 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 duh. And sort of this, um, once this news gets out, of course, Ortiz takes this opportunity to rally the whole town up because, you know, the the adults don't dislike Usui. They think she's a bit of a problem child, but you, she's she is one of the one of the village's children. It's kind of a big thing if someone in the community is going around murdering kids. So you know, a mob starts forming, as is pretty pretty much understandable. Um, and while they're busy forming a mob, uh, Usui wakes up within the forge and finds that uh, Pachi is just torturing this demon in the cage. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's sort of presenting a cross, a crucifix rather, not just a cross to it, and uh, poking it with hot irons, all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and uh, they they sort of, uh, essentially, we get a little bit of backstory here. The demon's name is Sartael. Uh, and he made a deal with Pachi during the war. He would ensure that Pachi made it home to see his wife in return for Pachi's eternal soul. Uh, and Pachi was obviously not happy with the exact form this deal took afterwards because he beat the demon, locked it in an iron cage, and has been torturing it for the last 10-odd years. Um, and uh, so Pachi decides to show Usui how to have fun because she's obviously terribly scared of this. And the best way to conquer your fear is to torture it. Um no, so it's to laugh her, at it. <laughs> to laugh at it, yeah. But they torture him and laugh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so Pachi shows her all the ways to torture demons. Um, first off, you can just poke them with stuff. Uh, because, to be fair, she started it. You know, the demon was mocking Pachi, and she sort of got fed up when he said, you know, he was going to drag him to hell. Because she's been fed up with people saying that all the time. and get She was mad because the demon specifically it. says that... Um, his mm. wife who committed suicide yes. was dragged to hell. That's yes. a sticking point with her because her mother had committed suicide mm. and everyone yeah. kept saying her mother was in hell. So she's just not having that line yeah. of dialogue. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and we, we learned a couple of very key demon weaknesses here, which is if you have a jar of chickpeas and turn it out on the ground, the demon is compelled to count them. Like it is, it is an all-consuming need. It, it's uh. so. What they do here, like visually, mm. is they the camera zooms in on um, Sartel's face when the, yes. when the chickens yeah. spill out, and his eyes mm. do the cat thing where they go. Whoop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like the pupils just expand, like mm. super big and mm. focus exactly. He cannot not look at the beans. I mean, the oh, yeah. chickpeas, and he starts yeah. having to count them. Yeah, and then the worst torture of this, obviously, is he's counting them up, and then halfway through, Patchy just messes up the order that the chickpeas are in. He has to start over again, and just every time he gets over, like, 10, just pushes them all around, covers them up, moves them all around, and this is this is definitely actual torture for this demon. He, he is in not insignificant emotional pain from this, and... yes. Yeah, and and this is this is like a traditional thing with uh, demons and also vampires. I think yes, yeah, vampires are also vampire forced to count um, mm. things. So you could spill stuff outside your door, and they they can't come in because they're stuck counting things. Yes, yeah, uh, and then they also they also ring some merry golden church bells. Uh, if you have a gold bell blessed by the church, ring it is extremely painful to a demon's ears. And so he's got a little hand bell, and uh, Usui just goes wild with that thing, <laughs> ding a ling a ling a ling a ling. Uh, and again, portrayed as very very painful, and it sort of breaks Sartail down to the point where you know he says 
he hates having to punish humans. Why does he have to deal with them at all? Like, it's not necessarily that he even, even hates humans in particular. He just hates anything, ha having to do anything with them. They're awful creatures. He wished they'd leave him alone. Uh, and she sort of, that sort of gets through to Usui a little. She sort of calms down on that front. Um, and while while Pachi is sort of getting getting things ready to uh, bring her back to the village, uh, she has a little chat with Sartail and, you know, says, I'm sorry for torturing you, <laughs> which is great. Um, and asks uh, if he can free her mother from hell. And, you know, Sartail reveals that, well, obviously he can't get her to leave hell because your own guilt is what compels you to enter hell, which is an interesting side note in this is like yes it's a place to be punished for your sins but everyone who steps into hell in the afterlife it steps in off their own accord yeah basically. it's it's voluntary um unless mm. you've made a deal when that that's not voluntary well it yeah. was that you, it, it's voluntary that you made the deal in the first place yeah but yeah. um but, yeah you will be taken to hell in. yes yeah. otherwise yeah. This this traffic's like very very heavily in in that in the idea of guilt and mm, what mm. it drives people to do. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, and it, it's it's a pretty big running thing. Yeah, and it's pretty pretty good, honestly. Like, um, for example, Patchy the blacksmith is incredibly feels it feels incredible amount of guilt over all the circumstances surrounding his deal. So. He has gone to these lengths of isolating himself entirely, locking this demon up and torturing it every day for years upon years. Um, I mean, he has not intentionally done it, but he's killed a member of the town and injured one of the kids that lives there. Like, it's not, it's not a good thing. Like, your guilt sticks with you and forces and compels a lot of your actions. Definitely, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> We get, yeah. um, he, uh, he gives her, um, he found, he finds the, the doll head mm, and it was yes. out in the, it's not really a garden, just out in the yard. Um, the mm. doll's head is like decked out in a little scarf. Yes. Um, the scarf yeah. was, uh, Usui's mother's, the last, like the, her memento of her mother. Mm. And he sees, he sees the scarf and he's like, is this your, is this your scarf? And, he, and she, I think, I think she says it's her mother's, but maybe she yes. doesn't say anything yeah. at all. Um, but we find out in short order that, uh, the blacksmith, he, he has a, um, like a headband on mm. a cloth headband. Mm. And we find out that that cloth yeah. headband is the other, it's another piece of that scarf. Yeah. It's a so, matching design. Yeah. So something's going on yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, and sort of at this point, uh, the priest, uh, in, Essentially, the the villagers arrive as a mob just as Patchy's about to walk Usui back to the village and arrest him because they thought he attacked and murdered a child, but also the child's here and safe. But also, he did kill, I believe it was Lucas, what's yeah. his name, the poor man who fell face first into a bear trap. Uh, and you know, Alfredo Ortiz, the investigators, you know, I'm I'm literally the representative of the government here. You have to arrest this man. Um, this is definitely where guy with a stick comes in. Uh, because they've all surrounded Patchy with weapons. There's one guy with literally like a forked tree branch. Yeah, it's um, not even like a big one. It's a little little stick. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's, great. it's a branch um, big enough to hold, but it's it's not very yeah. threatening. It's just this. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, and now that Patchy is under arrest, uh, the local pastor sort of reveals Patchy's secret backstory. 
Um, it's sort of like explaining like why he's like this, etc. So yeah, Patchy was in the war. He deserted uh, to come back home early to visit his wife. He'd been away for two years and came home to find his wife with a child of only a few months of age. Um, she had thought he had died in the war and had found a new lover. He was obviously enraged by all of this uh, and attempted to burn the child alive in the fire <laughs> um, and succeeded only in partially burning the child's face. face wink, wink, it's this way. Um, the child's father tried to stop him. He murdered the child's father and then... Um, his wife, Usway's mother, uh, hanged herself in despair because... Well, she tried to yeah. kill um, mm. Pachi. Yeah. And then, then the whole thing just went down, went sour, and um, then she yeah. ended up killing herself. Yeah. Uh, and then Pachi sort of, in, in shame, uh, gave Usway to the pastor, uh, literally gave her up as an orphan, along with um, he had been commissioned to forge a new bell, for the church and so brought the bell and the child at the same time yeah and there's the there's the background um and essentially uh ortiz takes a few of his most trusted men into the smithy to search for the gold uh they bring pachi with him tie him up to a chair uh start beating him for information uh, and while they're busy beating him for information, they've they've obviously also found the uh, the demon in a cage. Uh, the priest wants to take him to Rome so he can be the hand of God on this world with this living proof of um, hell's existence and therefore heaven's existence. Um, which was great because you know the, this old this old old priest walks in and sees a literal devil in a cage, and the devil like looks at him like ah, and the first thing he says, "Thank you, God, for this gift." <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and he also has the best little hat. Thing. I like his hat. Oh yes, great little hat, great little hat. Um, but you know, uh, Ortiz, Ortiz is in charge here, so you know we can deal with the devil later. Um, go outside. We got to look for this gold. Uh, and while while his companions are busy beating the hell out of Patchy for information on where he's hidden the gold, uh, Ortiz takes this opportunity to reprimand Sartael on being too blatant and open and not good at taking control of souls he's made deals with. Uh, And he's he's showed his form. He's like interacting directly with people. Like none of those are Mm. the thing you're supposed to do when you're retrieving a soul. Yeah. Because uh, Ortiz is obviously not actually here for the gold. Uh, He's a higher up demon uh, who is basically being sent out to find where the hell Sartael went for eight years. (laughs) Yes. He just disappeared. <laughs> and and he's not even just a higher up demon. Mm. This is this is Alastor. And okay. I, yeah, I yeah. will read the associated entry from right. the uh dictionary infernal um Alastor. Mm-hmm. Stern demon, supreme executor of the infernal monarch's sentences. He has the function of nemesis. Zoroaster calls him the executioner. Origen says he is the same as Azazel. Others confuse him with the exterminating angel. The elders called evil spirits Alastores, and Plutarch said that Cicero, out of hatred against Augustus, had the plans of killing himself at the heart of that prince to become his Alastor. So he's a mm-hmm. higher, uh, not the highest ranking, but in the higher, but a very higher high ranking, ranking. Yes. Yeah. And um, while we we will eventually see his his form, he's still remaining mm. mostly in his human guise here. But um, yeah. ultimately, the the woodcut, um, the prince in this book, which is this from mm. the mid to late 1800s, 
mm. the the costume designs are like they're not a one to one, but they're very close to do these woodcuts. Mm. Yeah, which again add, adds that. I mean, it's always not a real thing, but adds that sort of sense of authenticity and verisimilitude uh, with all the regular human costuming. Is like I said, these feel these feel lifted right out of that time period. Yeah, it's yeah, it's really really great. Um, at, at this point, you know, he's he's got a one up on Sapael. He's 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 gonna take this soul. Uh, so he orders the men to hang Patchy. Uh, you know, but what about the gold? We haven't found the gold yet, and sort of. He he seems a little frustrated at this point. Um, he's obviously been looking for this guy a long time, uh, dealing with all kinds of nonsense to get through to this point at the point of the plan, and doesn't quite break the veil, but sort of just adds a little presence to his instructions. He sort of yells, and you know he it, it's like Gandalf threatening Bilbo. You know he he seems to almost swell for a moment. His voice is suddenly incredibly loud. He's like, yes. just do it. And his his yeah. eyes do turn red, so that's a mm, thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so no, so not quite revealing, not quite revealing yourself, but like definitely pretty, pretty close, like pushing it, <laughs> pushing it there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like um, you you were only doing this for a few minutes, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, meanwhile, outside, um, Usui is sort of um, Usui and the priest are sort of convincing the rest of the villagers you know we we can't let this outsider deal with all of this there's literally literally the devil is in there we gotta we gotta keep him contained we gotta take him to somewhere where you know we can like say here's the devil god's real etc and uh sort of gets like we we get this justice mob sort of slowly transforming into more of a religious mob uh people are trying to beat down the doors uh some people get a little too excited and throw a lantern in through one of the smithy windows and light it on fire. Yeah, I don't. Um, I don't get that plan. Yeah. That's not going to open the door. <laughs> no, and, and no. I was very um, like surprised at the man trying to like shoulder the door down. It's very spiky. Oh God. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of spikes. Good, really not good for your health. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they get a battering ram eventually. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Usui has sort of snuck her way back in. Uh, and Sartail notices her and says, you know, I'll look for hell if you get the key and let me out so that I can collect Patchy's soul instead. And she, you know, she, like, agrees. Um, and the way to do this, obviously, is to make a distraction um, to let Sartail sort of get uh, get out, essentially. So um, all you got to do is ring that bell. And uh, she rings the bell, and we get the reaction from both the demons. Sartail is obviously greatly hurt by this but he's a little used to it uh whereas alistair has uh is not prepared for this and is you know amidst a deafening scream his face starts to contort and swell um we get a we get a real like thing kind of prosthesis moment it looks like to me like where half his face is swollen up with a big fishy eye and like lines of teeth just jutting out at weird angles and stuff um honestly that's the only part effects and makeup wise that felt a little off to me but i still thought it was really well done because it's a brief thing and it didn't Mm. look even like prosthetics it they it Mm. looked they've been using um some cg blending but you can't like at this point point it out like it's very well done The, the budgeting for this um costumes and then effects 
Like they yeah, dumped pretty much. I don't know what the budget for this movie was, but they put a lot of money into like the mm. when they do go hard on the CG stuff, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty impressive overall. Like it, just for me, this one split second felt a bit off, but I feel that's more because it was honestly more realistic. Like Sartail super woodcut style yeah. and obviously a fantasy creature and this like i said this felt like thingy it felt like something that could almost be a be an actual thing in a regular horror movie and yeah. so yeah straight maybe straight a little too realistic like not not uncanny valley i was like too canny i guess <laughs> is what i'm going for uh, <laughs> yeah um yeah and obviously the, at this point the two men hanging patchy get the hell out of there because there's uh there's not only a devil in the cage the guy they've been working for is clearly a, hor- a horrific demon as well uh and Usue lets Satael out and he's like cool I lied I'm not going back to hell why would I ever go back there and just books it out of there yeah. so um, so he's <laughs> not going back to hell for one specific reason because mm. um Alastor came here to let to take over the mission of the soul mm. reaping, but also to yeah. specifically tell Sartail that he's been demoted to the fifth circle of hell, yeah. the hell of like sad, sad, sad yeah. sinners and boiling pot 13. Yeah. Amongst the sad and depressed people. <laughs> yeah. And Sartail was just not, he was very upset with that. Yeah. Uh, I can imagine so it's very, he didn't, he didn't want to go back for that, for that, de- because of that demotion mm. to like, yeah. To, boringness when he was he's meant for greater things like oh yeah convincing people to give up their souls Mm, yeah even even if he's Um, poor at it yeah look he's not he's not well practiced this was his first go around probably (laughs) it's gone so well um but yeah he flees uh he flees out through the doors of the smithy obviously the villagers are terrified and scatter before him he runs away and puts his foot in a bear trap again um falls prone and then this entire mob just descends on him and starts beating him with sticks and rocks and their bare fists is just again a uh, little little bits of comedy here and there the idea of this small this small towns worth of people descending on this one demon that just keeps getting stuck in bear traps was pretty great <laughs> uh um yeah uh basically uh at this point Usue gets out of there. Uh, oh, wait, no. The, the, the priest goes into the smithy? Yes, priest goes into the smithy, um, finds uh, Alistair and Usue there, and basically slaps Usue for letting Sartail out of his cage. You know, why would you release this foul creature? We needed that in its cage, et cetera, et cetera. And um, Usue's having none of this nonsense, and so goes over to Alistair and asks for a deal. Um, you know, can you take me to hell? to find my mother. And, um, I mean, I guess that's one way to tempt a soul is just to be your way out of an abusive household. Um, I mean, he didn't even have to do anything. He was like, so, uh, yeah, I'll take you. So you want me to take you to hell to find your mother and you'll give me mm. your soul. Right. And she yeah. says, yes, yes. And I shake <laughs> on it. Yeah. And uh, then we get the, the the first momentary glimpse of Alastor in the, his full form as he's... Like, the best, because uh, he's huge. He swells to completely fill, like, this... Like, it, it's a it's a two-story building. This is, like, the room where the, where the ceiling is, like, at the two-story mark, but it's technically a first-floor room. 
and he swells, he fills this entire space. And he's got that sort of like long, not quite crocodilian, but sort of more reptilian head. He's got this vast long tail and a pitchfork the size of like a church spire. It feels like. Yeah, and like, what, yeah, he's, what he's they massive. do smartly, I think, with this transformation is it's fire and mm. brimstone. So there's a lot oh, yeah. of smoke and there's obscuring mm. things. He's just this thing in the mist, kind of yeah. this huge. You don't get a full sense of scale or even his mm. form. It's just pieces of things, but it's done really, really well. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's this was like a highlight, I think, stuff. of the of the movie. Yeah, oh, it was so good. <laughs> like, th- this is overall a really good quality movie. Like, then there are the bits where you're like, God, this is so far and a bit and so far above and beyond most other like comparable things. Like, we we don't get a lot of straight up traditional devil stuff, obviously, but there's a few bits and pieces out there, and this is obviously one of the best visually speaking. It's yeah. Oh, oh, it's really good. Um, and so Alastor kills her with a giant pitchfork because, you know, she agreed to give him her soul to take her to hell. So one fell swoop, that's all he needs to do to fulfill the bargain. <laughs> it's pretty easy for him. Uh, and Patchy is obviously really, really upset over this and makes a deal, another deal with Satel. Um, so Satel, take me to hell so I can find Usui and bring her back. Um, and Satel is not is not not a fan of Alistair. Wants his revenge, so he sort of agrees to this. But they need something better than you know the the little handbell to survive the journey. Yeah, because the little handbell is like a blessed <laughs> silver bell. That's what the one mm. they had in the forge. Yeah, yeah. Um, but hey, remember that rumor about that crate full of gold? Um, and you remember how the village had no metal, yet Patchy was somehow able to forge a new church bell shortly after arriving back in the village. Yeah, um, he just put a thin layer of lead over a solid gold bell, <laughs> which was subsequently blessed by the church. Um, so they they have their they have their potential uh, ace up their sleeve sort of demon deterrent in the form of a bell so heavy no man should be able to lift it. Um, <laughs> And uh I don't even yeah. think you could like budge this thing. Oh if it's God, that no. that much gold. Yeah. Look, I I've I don't I even think it was steel. I don't even think it matters. Yeah. Like it's it's the bell the no. size of a man. That's a lot of metal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I've attempted to lift a gold ingot about a foot across, like a rectangular one, so it's a foot by like three inches or something, and that thing was so heavy I could barely move it <laughs> with but you had to do it with one arm because they wouldn't let you get both hands on it, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like gold's real heavy. <laughs> this bell is beyond belief in terms of how heavy it would be. Um <laughs> uh and yeah, so they've they've got their got their trick up their sleeve. And so Satiel uh very sort of intimately and dramatically stabs Patchy with his pitchfork. Um and this actually felt kind of brutal because like he lines it up uh, against like the the root of his belly, sort of right in amongst the guts, and then just you know it's like do it, and then just shunk, off we go to hell. Um, and again, this is where this is where it gets a little more CG intense, but it's again really well done. It, really yeah, well it doesn't lose anything. Yeah, like th- this is this is an image of hell I can really get behind because again we've got all these classic 
woodcut 1850s-ish demons running yeah, around. It, there's like big head, there's man with butt, man with a face for his uh, backside, all that kind of thing. God. They're there's great. weird, weird bird ones. There's bird guy with <laughs> yeah. mustache. There, it's yeah. it's very good, and this is such a stark contrast to the version of Hell. I watched. I made the mistake of watching mm. the 2018, 2019 um, Doom, which is uh, horrible, yeah. and do not watch it. But uh, yeah. that does the last minute like CG Hell, um, mm. because what this what they excel at is like showing but not showing. So everything mm. it's basically the gate to Hell, and it's it. This is yeah. all the um. Yeah. I think it's, uh, um, I get, this is really bad. I always get them, them mixed up. <laughs> I think this is, uh, Hieronymus Bosch version, but I mm. get, I get those mixed up with, um, uh, there is a author who also does large paintings of hell and I cannot think of okay. his name. Yeah. But, um, I mean, uh, Blake. I mean the, the, uh, Blake. Yeah. Okay. The, so the I demons think definitely these are feel very Boschian. They're Boschian. <laughs> I, I want to say that and they're not. Yeah. They're not Blake stuff. But Blake also yeah. did like Dante's Inferno. Um, yeah. Yeah. Illustrations uh, of like, yeah, Leviathan and things. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this feels like a little like that because it's this yawning gate with just a column of fire inside it. You know, you're in this dark, dusty, brimstony, ashy cavern, uh, and there's just this literal horde of like bedraggled people clad in essentially linen under under things or like rags and just the the absolute dregs of humanity visually speaking sort of just so slowly shuffling their way towards the gates um and you know just willingly again they they do this voluntarily they're, walking yeah. into hell they're, they're they're lamenting the entire time their guilt and they're just like oh i'm so guilty mm. and i feel so bad yeah. I, I have to be punished like that's <laughs> that's the yeah mood here is that they're yeah. just trudging toward their doom like their fate like on on mm. of their own will like completely yeah. there's like one guy who seems really into it in terms of <laughs> really you know, wanted to be tortured <laughs> i'm garbage yes don't forget me let, let me in. in let me in please i have to be tortured <laughs> yeah um yeah so uh patchy shows up here in hell and starts looking around for usue um and spots her and then start, you know Sartail is here as well gets noticed by one of his former co-workers who's like oh i haven't seen you around for a while i actually really like that it felt felt oddly normal as in you know just bumping into someone you used to work with you know yeah 10 it's years very ago, it's like, very hey, like the doing? office it's weird because mm. yeah. it's like so casual he's like i didn't mm. think you were supposed to come back yeah. or you know i didn't expect to see you here or whatever aren't you demoted mm. like like they don't yeah, have the memo yeah. quite yet out at the gates of hell mm. yeah uh, i kind of like it because for them it is just a job really oh yeah it and it's a job that they may energy. not even like but that's what they mm. do it's what they gotta do. I'm a demon. I gotta guard the gates of hell, sort the souls. You know how it is. Yep. Um. Yeah. And uh, Patchy starts going against the tide because he sees Usoe. Uh. And you know we've got a soul causing trouble here. Shut everything down. And the gates begin to close. And the entire horde of people just sort of speeds out. Like, no, we got to get in there. We got to get into hell. Absolve for our sins. You know that kind of thing. Uh, that's where we get the great. I'm garbage. Let me in. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, and, uh, yeah, and um, Patchy sort of gets Usue, um, fends off some of the demons guarding the game, then Alastor shows up uh, full size uh, with a with this God, he's so big. He's he's the Godzilla of demons at this point, really. Um, and you know, like his walk feels a little off. But again, it feels like off way because it feels again very pan's labyrinthy because he's got the the backwards jointed, yeah, uh, animal style legs, but he walks very humanly. They well, don't it's really a, it's, bend it, at that extra joint. It's it's a man in a costume. Mm, so yeah, it's it's yeah. practical effect plus CG. So because he's like acting against presumably mm. nothing, and everyone else yeah. is very tiny. Um, oh yeah, you you get that. It's almost a Harryhausen like stop motion feeling where the stuff to, it meshes, but you can tell like it's big man by himself and then little people by themselves. But mm, you, it's yeah. not like horribly noticeable. It's just something that you oh, no. you can recognize that like it's a person, so they must be like mm. on a green screen. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like again, but it, it works really well. Visually, piece. it's very good. Yeah, yeah, so good. Um, he actually kicks and, one know, of the demons out of his way. Yeah, just absolutely just punts boots it him into the distance. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's pretty good. Um, yeah. Apache uh, squares up against Alistor, obviously can't actually fight him very well, uh, so it goes for the good old jar of chickpeas trick. Uh, the jar this was does good. not smash open. <laughs> it just yeah. hits the ground and kind of rolls. Yeah. And, and he's, he's so adamant about it. He's like, Ugh. he's like, take this then! And, the, the you know, it's yeah. like a dud. He's like, oh. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh, but then, just as Alistor's about to squish Apache, he runs up, grabs the jar and cracks it open, and we get that same thing. It's like the eyes bloom and he just falls to his knees and just one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. <laughs> and he's not, he can't, he doesn't count fast. He has to count them like no. very accurately. And there's not, mm. it's not like 20 beans. It's probably like 60. It's a lot of little chickpeas. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's like, it's like a fist and a half sized jar. That's just full to the brim with chickpeas. Yeah. Um, and while he's busy being compelled to count them, Apache uh, pulls out the enormous golden bell, sort of aims the mouth of it vaguely in Alistor's direction, and you know picks up the hammer and just bang <laughs> strikes it. It's it's great because we, <laughs> as the viewer, get we're like the camera is facing Apache mm. solely, and so when he turns yeah. the mouth of the bell, you're just looking into this yawning like bell. Mm. Uh, and then we don't see him ring it. We just see like he's going to do yeah. the thing, and then we hear it because we're yeah. focused on um, Sartiel and Usui, who is uh, he, he's mm. been told to like take her back um, to, to Earth. Yes. Yeah, and um, I think it. I want to say it cuts from there because we just see him. You know, we hear the gong of the bell, and then it goes yeah. back to um, Usui just like waking up. Mm. Yeah, and you know, thank God, praise the Lord, the child is saved. And then Sartail jumps up from inside a cart and is like, we kicked her out of hell. She's a true saint. Can't have her down there. Treat her with respect. And then just dashes off into the woods. <laughs> it's really, he's, I think, my favorite guy. He's, he's really good. He's just good. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, she's, she's, hey, she's set for life at this point. If you die, then you come back to life and the devil pops up saying, we didn't want you in hell. You're too good. <laughs> um, 
you're pretty you're pretty well set in a conservative uh yeah. religious for religious sure. society <laughs> for sure um and off in the woods Sartail uh transforms himself into a young man uh who i believe is his actual um, it's it's the actor. yeah the, the actor is yeah. the same mm. um he's in the costume he's the same guy yeah 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 yeah, he becomes this handsome young man, nice long flowing locks, uh, no shirt, obviously. Sartail doesn't possess a shirt, I guess. Uh, he has a good works. nose, good strong nose. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and sort of gets picked up by a tinkerer uh, on the road who gives him some clothes to wear. It's like, you know, it's a long way to the next town. What's your story? He's like, well, uh, it's not my story specifically, but I do know a good story and begins the narration from the start of the film. And we, again, get caught up. This is this is a, like you said, a traditional widespread folklore tale of the blacksmith and the demon. Um, and, you know, a man so ruthless and cruel, even the devil himself came to fear him. Uh, and then we cut down to the end of the film, which is Patchy forcing open the gates of hell slinging this enormous golden bell over one shoulder and then just marching into the with his, yeah, his hammer in his other hand it's it's mm. so good god it is powerful imagery <laughs> it's really really good yeah um and yeah, that's the end of the film and it was a really really good film on uh, you've probably gathered that we've been talking pretty much nothing but praise about it the entire yes. time my but yeah this, my opinion so i good. i didn't voice earlier was <laughs> i actually i think this is better than pan's labyrinth and i like pan's wow labyrinth. wow that that's a strong opinion that's really, I, <laughs> I really like this movie because it's self-contained it has all the makings mm. of like they just adapted this tale so well mm. and visually yeah. it's so well done and it's it's not a short movie no, no. It's, it's almost two hours long. Nearly two hours, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it yeah. moves very quickly. Um, mm. it, it doesn't mm. linger. It doesn't waste any screen time. Everything is, like, for a purpose. You get to know the characters just enough to, like, have a um, an empathy with them. Um, mm. And the the visuals are just so stunning and the costume's so yes. well done. Um, yeah yeah i and it's not um it's heavy subject matter but it doesn't feel depressing there's like a sense of hope no. that it has in it yeah yeah there's ultimately a kind of sort of the end I yeah guess. whereas like, whereas pan's labyrinth is not it's like no yeah it's a bad end I'm, fairy tale <laughs> yeah I, I don't know if i would personally say i like it than Pan's labyrinth but for me it definitely stands at that same I would, level i would I, put, I would watch them both like more than mm. once oh yeah like it's something yeah. that i would watch this again and i would enjoy watching it with people that haven't seen it um mm. Mm. this this yeah. could be a this is a weird uh, it's a weird space that it fills because i think watching this with anyone who's more um uh either either devout or um more strict mm. in their views this may be harder for them to watch because of course it's been like yeah. it's, it's, it's fantasized, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know, but coming from this to this mm. this way and like the stuff that we generally watch, um, this I I couldn't recommend this like enough. This is an excellent, yeah. <laughs> an excellent thing, and it yeah. gives such a good um, classical rendition of these of these monsters. This is the same feeling, mm. like say watching like The Witch, yeah, or I guess Witch. Yeah. Um, gives because it's framing everything in how the the period would have seen it rather than inter, in, it doesn't mm. feel contemporary 
No, like, no, you, you yeah. mean, it, it, it is in a sense, but it's very of its time. Like, mm. just the, mm. the, the period it's set in. I think that that does the most. And what I do, I was by briefly pulling up um, the mm. filmography for the actor that played um, our our, uh, our little devil. Um, I, <laughs> now I do want to watch him and other stuff. I think he did a really good yeah. job. Yeah, and there's some movie called the, Bas- the Bastards Fig Tree, which like just the I don't know what it's about, but I like the picture. That sounds fun. <laughs> yeah, it Eniko Sagadoi played Sartael. Yes, yes. I don't want the IMDb app. Thank you. Steven filmography. Like every movie he's in has great cover art. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Courtney's son, the bastard's fig tree, Eramentari, the giant. The night watchman. Definitely might have to check out a few of these. Yep. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's generally same for me. Massively positive on the film. If you, If you're the least bit interested, go watch it. Like, you you know the gist of the story at this point, but the acting is in general really good. The visuals are outstanding in every regard in this film, honestly. And yeah, it's it's worth the watch. And if you've got Netflix, it's on Netflix. It's, it's on Netflix. easy to watch. Yes. Yeah. What what else do you want from a film these days? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um Well, with that, I guess that's the end of our show this week. Um Thank you for listening. Uh, it has been a pleasure as always. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twitten. That's night without a K. Um, come see me yelling about various socially related things because our world is slightly falling apart. Uh, you can find the show on Twitter at mon underscore D monster or on monster deer dot monster. I believe is our website. Now. Yes. 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 Yes, www.monsterdeer.monster.com. No, 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 just dot monster. Not a dot com. cool. Websites. Um, Yeah, and uh, Dave, you can be found... On Twitter exclusively at sentient underscore plus. It will be in the notes because I picked a thing that's tough to spell. And our our (laughs) wayward um, co-host, Leonard, also on Twitter and on YouTube. Um, He does some... Mm video game analysis um videos and he yes. is everywhere uh, under um dr faust is dead yes yes go check his things out wonderful uh well we here at monster dear monster hope everyone is staying happy and healthy and we hope you'll come listen to us again next week thank you very much for listening ta-ra bye-bye